Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of this freaky show. I am your host, Travesty, and alongside me is... The Freak Joe. And we got a special treat for you guys tonight. We will be interviewing James Dermond. We'll be talking about Tales from the Unseen, Volume 1, 2, 3, and 4. Joey? Yes. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I can't how are you? I can't, I can't do the voice. Yeah, I, I realized I couldn't. I I don't know how to interact in, in my just, like, low low register voice. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm like I, I, you know, it's weird. Like, I could hear the voice changing as I was doing. Like, it's like, it's like I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm doing perfect at the intro. And all of a sudden, as it's going away, it just gets a little bit too weird. Mm-hmm. Too weird, like 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 old woman, like not so much in the woods, but like at the front of the woods. Yeah, cats. Yeah, maybe I'm not a voice person. I don't know. I don't know. Right? I mean, I could do the obviously the somber this freaking show. I mean, I'll try to commit to that one next week. But I, yeah, this I can't I can't do that voice. That voice is just so dumb. Oh, it just so feels dumb. weird to go back and forth yeah. like that. That's all. Yeah, yeah. So. Um. Yeah. If, maybe I'll practice. Try. Maybe next year I'll work on a travesty. This freaky show voice. I'll, I'll work yeah. on it. I'll, I'll get prepared for it. But as I mentioned, guys, uh, we're interviewing uh, James Derman today um, on this episode. So I'm really excited to kind of touch base with him. If you guys have a have a uh, recollection, we did have him on the show in season two, episode 44, back in uh, 2017. So it's cool to kind of catch up with him and talk with him uh, about uh, Doorways to the Unseen and kind of the process of how he releases it. And we talk a little bit about uh, about some spooky stuff, uh, haunted, you know, some speculative hauntings in uh, the homes we uh, we occupied and stuff like that. And uh, because he's such an amazing guy, uh, he's given us permission to read one of his uh, stories uh, from the newly released uh, Doorway to the Unseen, uh, Volume 4, that uh, the Freak Joe will uh, read to us uh, this evening. Um, and also a quick Can't reminder, wait. and uh, I, I guess I should have told Joe about this beforehand, uh, we're going to have a guest on next week. Ooh! So, uh, Is it a surprise guest? Or are you going to tell me after the show? Or uh, or? No, because I think I've, I think I've mentioned it in passing of the podcast, but uh, <clears throat> I, I was telling you about the the two girls who were starting up that uh, the the uh, Babes of Lore podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot. About that. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I was talking with them and everything, and uh, I, I, I guess in a way I'm kind of mentoring them into their podcast adventure. Nice. And uh, trying to help them stay motivated and gain it going and everything. Uh, so I invited them to kind of come on the show next week to kind of talk about. Uh, the premise of their podcast, what it is, and how they're gonna, uh, you know, put it out there, you know, as far as like, you know, the concept of it, mm-hmm, and talk mm-hmm. a little bit about them as well. And I was like, well, you know, this is the perfect time. Babes of Lord are gonna talk about spooky things on their podcast, and obviously October is our spooky podcast uh, season, so uh, I figured, why not take an opportunity to uh, talk to more spooky people? I love it. So um, we're going to dive into the interview here shortly, but I just want to remind all you guys that this episode of, you know, fuck it, I'm going to try doing, a, I'm going to try doing a voice. Do it. I'm going to, you know what? Do it. <coughs> Maybe I'll do a, oh God, hold on a second. I got a, a fucking throat. 
I tell you, bronchitis is a bitch, bro. Yes, it is. <coughs> it just makes you feel like awkward Colin every fucking time. Um, I'm gonna try doing a voice. I'm gonna, I'm, okay, I'm gonna bring the creepy voice back. Just wants to do this plug. Mm. This episode of this free no, nope, can't do it. Fuck it. This episode <laughs> of this freaky show Sorry. is brought to you. You sound like the scientist from the from the Simpsons. If you just step up right here, you'll see our matter transporter. Live. <laughs> <laughs> mm. This episode of this freaky show is brought to you by CarterComics.com. If you guys are looking for uh, an amazing comic to fill out your collection, whether it be raw or graded, CarterComics.com is the best place for you to go. With over a 1,000 titles available either on their website or on their four available eBay accounts, make sure you check out CarterComics.com today. And as a bonus, we got, we got a discount code for you. That's FreakNet, F-R-E-A-K-N-E-T. They'll give you 10% off your entire sale on either their website or on eBay. And we call it a discount code, not a promo code, because the discount code can be used multiple times. So no matter how many times you shop, you have a code there to help save you money. So we encourage you to go over there and check out all their amazing uh, uh, comics that are available. And, hey, if you can't seem to find one you're looking for, reach out to them because there's a good chance they have it in stock. It just hasn't reached their store yet. encourage you to check it out right now, cartercomics.com. Save you 10% on your entire order. And, plus, there's a lot of Marvel going on right now, so start filling up on some of those Marvel comics, some She-Hulk or Hulk or uh, Moon Knight. Uh, yeah. What's coming out uh, next month? Grab stuff before it's out. Yeah, 100%. Increase the know. value of your comic after it becomes popular. Yes, sir. So, CarterComics.com. Use the discount code FREAKNET. Save yourself 10%. Outstanding. This freaky show is also brought to you by Audible. If you're looking for your next great read, the best place to find it is over at audibletrial.com slash freaknet, where you'll get a free 30-day trial and a credit towards your first audiobook purchase. Uh trying to think of a good audiobook to purchase. Most of them, most of the ones I would recommend are uh, not available yet. Um, ooh, you know what would be a fantastic one for the uh, the month of October is to pick up uh, Stephen King's new book. Uh, I think it's called Fairy Tale or something like that. Sounds I don't familiar. know. Stephen King Fairy Tale. Yeah. Yeah. Supposed to be fantastic. Uh, one of his favorite books he's ever written, as I understand it. So uh, head on over to audibletrial.com slash freaknet and pick that sucker up for free. Do it now. Do it. Do it. All right. Um, as we mentioned, uh, we got a special freaky tale for us uh, this evening. So uh, um, Joe? Yes. How about we dive into that interview, and then when we come back, we could uh, hear that amazing story. Sounds excellent. Perfect, guys. Please enjoy the interview. We we have we as in Joe and I. I don't know why I fucking said that. Though. Weave weave mm. weave. I don't know what, what what was I going with weave for. I don't know. Oh my god, guys! Please we enjoy have the we've got weave weave. <laughs> The story we've got for you? We yeah. have that for you? Yeah. Guys, please enjoy the uh, interview that uh, the Freak Joe and I did with our special guest, author of Doorways to the Unseen, James Dermond. 
Hi, guys. If you remember back in uh, Season 2, we uh, were lucky enough to uh, talk to an author of uh, short, scary stories, uh, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, I love uh, spooky stories and scary stories, especially short stories, because my mind, uh, my my focus span is very brief. And um, we, uh, we're lucky enough to have uh, James Derman back here today to talk about uh, not just one, but three additional books of the series that got released. Uh, James, thanks for uh, sitting down with us and talking with us. Yeah, it's good to be back. I, I'm happy to be back on the show. Absolutely. And I, I know we've been trying to do this for like a while and like scheduling has just been crazy, but, uh, I, it was, it was amazing to me when, um, when we finally were able to like figure this out and get you on here. Um, and you started talking to me about volume four and I was like, volume four, like I, I could have sworn we just talked about volume one and, uh, uh, we, you, as mentioned that you kind of figured out a way now to have a more, uh, set schedule on the releases. And uh, these three actually came out um, like within the last like two years. Well, yeah. So I think it's uh, the release was uh, 2020, 21, and then uh, the early part of uh, 22 for volume four. So uh, there was a, like about a three year gap, you know, as I was doing a lot of other things, I, I didn't, wasn't able to commit to writing uh you know, a regular volume, but then I wanted to continue with the series. So yeah, I decided that it's going to be on an April, October schedule yeah. uh, from now on to get the rest of the series out. And I will release 12 volumes altogether. So uh, in the next, I think it will be done in, let's see if we release volume five at the end of this year. So six and seven in 2023, eight and nine and 24, uh, 10 and 11 and 25. And then in April 2026 will be volume 12. And that'll be the end of the short story series. And then in October 2026, I would uh, release the three volume hardcover set, you know, with four volumes in each of, uh, in each of book, hardcover book. Gotcha. So. Yeah, cause, cause each of these books, uh, holds, um, Six short stories. Uh, and I'm just kind of curious, like, so you're, the way you're releasing it, is there like a, is there a reason for that? As far as like, I want to, I want to get like, cause I mean, like you, you, I guess realistically if you want to, you could have done like a book of 12. And then like in our book, but instead you're doing like 666. And then when it's com- completely finished, you're going to kind of put them all together. Um, yeah. Well, no, I mean, the, 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 each volume is about 30,000 words. Okay. And um, when I was figuring out what I wanted to publish, uh, people are more likely to buy and finish a short book of about that length. And then also for also for audio books, um, that's a lot easier to record. You know, so I'm going to re- be releasing audio books in the near future, too. Um, so, I mean, the the idea was that it would be long enough where it would be substantial, you know, six stories, about 5,000 words each. And then at the same time, it would be something that's still digestible that you could finish in one, uh, one evening if you wanted to. No, and that that makes total sense to me. I mean, and uh, you're sitting there, uh, you mentioned uh, earlier that, um, that you got these three books done with like, you know, committing like so little time to it. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like through an entire pandemic, you completed three books and I read one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, to, to me, you 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 accomplished so much, and you actually were mentioning that uh, the, there's a fifth one in the works to be released soon as well. Yeah, it'll be released at the end of this month. It'll be released re- released right before Halloween. 
Awesome. So I'm going to stick to that, um, you know, October schedule going forward. The volume six will be in April, 2023. Oh, I got you. So, uh, so what got you into writing? Uh, I mean, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, the, you know, the, it's something that I, I considered doing, but at the time I'm 50 years old and back in like the eighties and nineties, you know, the traditional publishing industry was really hard to get into. It seemed like a really long shot thing, like an impractical thing to pursue. So, um, you know, I worked in other fields. Um, I actually have a graduate degree in economics and I, <laughs> I was an, I, I was an, I, I owned an IT services company yeah. and, um, you know, I had the, like, these kind of really practical jobs and, um, when, uh, the chain, you know, when, when, uh, when the internet publishing became more prevalent, I started looking at the idea of like, sorry, publishing my own books, like starting my own publishing company. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, at, towards the end when I was, was decided I was going to sell the comp- other company that I was developing, I was looking at, you know, like publishing ebooks and, you know, all the different things that they have on the internet about like how to make extra money and side mm-hmm. hustles and things like that. I started there, you know, and it says you can publish an ebook and this will bring in so much money, you know, and then I, I but I, the, the, those things are like just a way to produce some income. You know, they aren't really yeah. serious. They aren't really serious books, you know, that are, um, written, they're written for a specific audience. You know, they're just a way of like, uh, rustling up cash, you know, on the internet. But, um, I started really looking into it seriously. And then, um, you know, I released the first one, but that's what the one you interviewed for last time, uh, volume one did really well and a lot of people liked it. So, you know, I wanted to continue, but a lot of things got in the way. And then I was able to release volume two after I sold the company, you know, that I was, that I had developed before. So, um, you know, I'm involved in other things, but I'm still, I'm going to keep working on this as well. And, uh, we will get to 12 volumes. And then after that, there'll be other writing projects. I haven't decided what yet. I got you. Um, yeah. And so what, what kind of like, motivated you to focus more on like the, the the scary short stories then like obviously there's so many different topics and ideas when it comes to books and everything uh is, is there like something with like like ghosts and hauntings the scary stuff that like you know i could definitely write about stuff like this yeah well i mean it's um i i thought about writing in different genres and i have so far i've written two sci-fi horror stories there is the second sci-fi horror story is uh, in volume four as well. I don't know if uh, did you take a look at further back and faster? Do you remember that? I, I you know, haven't uh, got, I've gone through the whole book yet. No, I mean like, um, was it, is it uh, Joe? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> did you uh, <laughs> did you get a chance to look at the other stories in the volume? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. So I wrote the, a sci-fi horror story in that volume, and then I wrote one for uh, anthology called Metamorphosis Alpha Three, mm-hmm. which is a collection of uh, sci-fi stories. And uh, so I, I did look at other genres, but I, I was thinking about this actually today. Like, what really inspired me to uh, write this anthology? Or it's not really an anthology because it's all all of my writing. It's not other authors, yeah. but uh, this kind of collection of stories. And uh, do you guys remember the Masters of Horror series, like back in 2005 to 2007? Yep. Okay, yeah, so I, I think I remember watching that, 
and that was like right before I started uh, this other company that I was involved with. And, um, you know, I was thinking of different business ideas and I watched the whole series. Some of it was good and some of it was pretty mediocre or even, you know, questionable. So I thought yeah. I could certainly do a better job than even these, <laughs> <laughs> even these authors that they picked, you know, for this major horror anthology series, you know, that has a good budget and, you know, right. So I started thinking about it and then, uh, you know, I, I kept uh, looking at self-publishing as a, like a side thing. And then uh, when I decided I was going to sell the other company at Exit, I started working on volume one. And then I, I got it out um, a few years before I, I sold the company. So I think it's probably that's where it started, like uh, watching the Masters of Horror series. <laughs> and this, it was a long process to get there. But uh you know, it was like a, a, a kind of a business idea that I had in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember, uh, I remember when we uh, talked the first time and, uh, I got the, I got the electronic version of, uh, Doorway City Unseen, uh, which I, I got it. I want to get paperbacks of everything because I'm more of like, and that's where me and Joe like really differ. Joe really likes to like read everything on like the tablets or iPads or whatever he uses, but I like physically holding on to books and reading them, uh, when I do. And I remember growing up to like, uh, like scary stories to tell in the dark, uh, Masters of the Macabre. I like watching, uh, Tales of the Crypt. So like all these like short ghost like stories and movies and stuff is like, is like I could read about that or watch about that all day. And it's like, and that's why like I was excited to be able to talk to you again about this because you're, you're creating books for what I love. I mean, I got, I mean, Joe, Joe's been to my house. I have a very small library of, uh, very stupid books. Um, and I probably maybe opened up maybe like a couple of them and maybe killed a spider with one or two. <laughs> I don't, I don't really read that much because my interests are more in like what you're writing, the ghost stories, the, the scary stories and stuff like that. Um, and, but it, I, I like it too, because it is kind of, I kind of like you said, like it's, it's six, it's six stories. Um, and you're releasing them like every, you know, every six months or what the plan is. Uh, I think that's, I think that's really cool. And a lot of these stories, Thanks. like, like where, where do you get the idea for these stories? I mean, like, do I mean, you take like, like inspiration from? Yeah, some some of them are like, uh, some of them are entirely my ideas. Some of them are based on other short stories or uh, like horror anthologies. Like, do you remember? Um, I talk about this in volume two. Like, at the, you guys haven't seen volume two probably, but uh, at the end of volume two, I like list out uh, the you know, I have like this kind of statement of purpose because I, I jump back into uh, the series, you know, after this pause and um, I like write a postscript at the end of volume two where I talk about, uh, you know, all the different uh, anthologies. Like, do you remember um, Trilogy of Terror? I'm not, not sure. No, I'm, it's 1975. So oh, it's, oh, it's no. Before my okay. time. <laughs> You remember a night gallery that was kind of like the horror sequel to the twilight zone? Yes. That I okay. Did. Yeah. So night gallery is an influence. You remember tales from the dark side from the eighties? Yep. Okay. So that was, another, I was thinking of those. I mean, really, I think it started with masters of horror, you know, my, that I enjoyed, but I was somewhat disappointed in. And then I started thinking about doing this, you know, I, I'd read more and more articles about uh, publishing eBooks and, you know, print on demand books. And um, 
so in volume two, which I'm hopefully you'll be able to take a look at, you know, I explain exactly, uh, where the series, you know, where the idea for the series started and all of its influences, you know, both, uh, movies, television and books. Yeah. Well, my, my, my goal is I'm going to own all these paperbacks. Yeah, so they're they're kind of designed to be collectible, like action yeah. figures. So. And and that was one of, one of the other things. Like I know we I know we talked about because uh, it was amazing is the covers of these books. And like I'm sitting there looking at it, and like if you like take a quick glance at it, you're just like you you think to yourself like it's the same cover, but when you actually look at it and look at the detail and the differences in it. It's like it's the same. You have the same concept, you know. And obviously, doorway to the unseen. It's it's like a long hallway down. But I mean, like in uh, the un, in volume four, you got like that creepy chandelier. Uh, volume two is like more like doorways with uh, no windows. Uh, the first one has doorways with windows above it. Um, uh, volume three has kind of like that overhang. But not only that, like the shadows are different. There's a lot of detail into the covers of these books that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, me and the cover designer, we look at everything we've already done, and then we discuss, you know, how can we make this volume the cover different? Yeah. And uh, so we'll have to do this twelve times altogether, but I think we can do it <laughs> without, yeah, without going going too far afield of of yeah. the concept. But and that's what I love about it. It's like it, it's different enough to make them each unique, but at the same time, they're similar enough to show that they're supposed to be together. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the idea is you, you would look at it, you recognize it as the doorways to the unseen yeah. uh, series cover. But then, yeah. you know, if you examine it, it has it, each one is has some detail that makes it un- unique. Yeah. I also love how, like, now that I really I'm looking at because I'm, I'm looking at everything like right now as we're talking. And I'm not sure if this was intentional. I'm assuming it is. But I think there's like six doorways on each cover. Yes, there is. For every for every six episodes. Yeah, there's a there's a doorway for each story on each book cover. That is absolutely amazing. That's phenomenal. So the name door so the title, Doorways uh, to the Unseen, like was that easy to come up with? Yeah, actually it was. Because <laughs> I, I thought I thought about it for I mean I I was thinking, you know, what am I gonna name the series? And that was like the first thing that popped into my head. Okay. And I stuck with it. Okay, yeah, because like it's unique. It, you know? it took like, me about five minutes to name the series. Okay. <laughs> because I, I remember, like, when, um, uh, cause, like, me and Joe have been talking, because, like, we, we spend the entire month of October, uh, you know, talking about Halloween, talking about, uh, spooky things, uh, scary things, and stuff like that. We do, uh, a cemetery vlog, uh, we're trying to do annually. And I kept telling him, I was like, he's like, I would love to do, like, short stories, because, uh, Cartoon Joe, uh, well, actually, the Freak Joe here during the month of October, uh, he reads short stories uh, for every episode, and we're actually going to have uh, the privilege of reading one of your stories here uh, on this episode. And I'm telling him, like, we should create our own short stories. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I think the title should be, like, uh, Freaky Tales, because that's what we call the segment of the podcast. And that was easy just because everything else is, like, this freaking show, this freaky show, Freaknet Studios. Like, it was so easy. I have written one story in, I want to say, six years. Because for some reason, I just can't figure out, like, a good story. And then I get into my mind where it's like, I think this has already been done. So it's phenomenal how you, you've, you've made four different titles. You're, you're working on 12. And you're, like I said, you have 72 stories that you're coming up with. And it's, like, it's amazing how, like, people can actually do that. 
Well, some of the things that are, have appeared in here I've been thinking about for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and I did write everything down. Uh, when I, I first started to write volume one, I just wrote as many concepts as I could down on, on like these, uh, you know, files that I, they're not paper, but you know, they're like, I keep them in a folder, you know, they're like they're word docs, you know, with a summary or an outline. And, right. uh, so I, I had a lot of stuff to go with in volume one. And I looked at, um, you know, how all the stories fit together yeah. and then uh, whether or not they had been done before or things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of these stories I didn't like the title. I just dreamed up really quickly, but a lot of the stories are things that I've been thinking about for a, a long time, for years, and they're always in the back of my head. But I just wrote down a lot of as much as I could remember, you know. And now when I have an idea, I, I instantly write it down and create a summary of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the one story I thought of is <coughs> called the Viaduct. It's it's decent. I'm okay with it, but I, it was actually kind of based very similar on like a real event, like a real occurrence that happened to me. Um, any of your stories, uh, based on uh, any real occurrences, any like, like weird supernatural? Yeah. So, uh, volume one, uh, the first two stories are based on ghost stories that people told me in the past. So the first two stories in volume one are, uh, ghost stories that were related to me. So uh, they're then they're not like a word for word retelling, but they're the, they took the concept of of uh, the the ghost story that was related to me, and then I made it into a new story. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Maybe it, this may be a dumb question, but do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, I, I think I do. I mean, uh, I've never had an experience directly with ghosts, like seeing a ghost. Mm-hmm. But I was on another podcast, and I told them that I'm pretty sure the house that I grew up in was haunted. Uh, there were a number of strange things that happened over the years. And the the, the most visible proof that something was wrong with the house was the, the way the dogs acted occasionally. You know, we owned dogs over the years, and uh, they, they, they were definitely uh, – there were two separate instances where they were – uh, barking at something or growling at something that was nothing was there, but they were they were clearly looking at something. Yeah, Oof. I my my dog is kind of the same way. I had a so the house I live in is it's not like an old like farmhouse in any way, but uh, it was built in like the seventies, and there was like an old couple that lived here. I know they passed on. I, no one could tell me if it happened in the house or not, but the house was cheap, so it's like maybe. <laughs> Uh, but there'll be times where, like, I'll be sitting there watching TV, and the dog would just be sitting there, staring at the top of the, staring up at the top of the stairs. Yeah, it was incidents like that that would happen. Yeah. And it's so, just like I've, I've heard him growl before and nothing. Well, the the worst one was uh, one time. You know, we had this kind of our house was built in the '40s, and we had this kind of creepy unfinished basement. You know, <laughs> we kept things down there. And one time the dog uh, stood at the top of the stairs. It was the dog we had at the time. And um, he just kept pacing back and forth. And he was he would stop, you know, move his head. He'd look at whatever was there. And then his hair would go up and he'd start growling, like this really yeah. low growl. And then uh, he would, he was, there was nothing there. I was standing next to the dog when this was happening. The dog would not look at me. He would just be fixed at something at the bottom of the stairs, even though there was nothing there. And this went on for a while, like, you know, 
30, 40 minutes, something like that. You know, where the, the dog was clearly seeing something that the rest of us could not see. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's weird about that is that that happened at the same time every day. You know what time it was? Time to move. Yes, I do. <laughs> well, I mean, that was, that was one of the instances. Another time, though, uh, it was a different dog. And uh, the dog was barking and barking and, like, looking up at the, like, the, at the ceiling, like the, the corner of the living room and wagging its tail and barking and barking. It was clearly seeing something the rest of it. And this is during the day. This wasn't at night. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, it, it was like, it seemed to see something up in the corner at the ceiling of the living room. And this went out for a while too. It kept barking and, you know, wagging its tail and like looking up there. That was a really strange incident too. And then there was, there were other things that happened, but, uh, you know, that, the, the, one of the, one of the things that stopped everything, there was a mysterious fire in the house when I was in high school and it burned out the whole house and, uh, the insurance covered it and, you know, they, they completely renovated the house. But then after that, like everything seemed to stop, but it was a very strange, uh, like an electrical fire that started in the basement, which apparently was the haunted part of the house. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I- that's creepy. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wish I wish I had more of an explanation of what Mike is. I, I always just say like my dog's dumb. He's just whatever. Um, yeah, and he's got an anxiety disorder. So yeah, but the thing is, like, it's it's always the upstairs. Like if I'm down in the living room, he's staring at the top of the stairs. If I'm there were times where I, where like I'd be like laying in bed sleeping, and my bed is across the uh, across the room from like my doorway. I would wake up and I would see my dog sitting in front of my door, just staring into the hallway. Like, like, what are you looking at? And he just kind of looked back at me and then looked back at the hallway. And I'm like, either he sees a ghost or there's something in him. Either way, I'm awake now. And uh, ever since me and Joe started doing these cemetery vlogs and every, or these cemetery tours and everything, in my mind, I'm like, I know I'm going to bring something home with me. <laughs> like, there's always that fear that, like, like when we leave a cemetery, like, somebody's chilling in my backseat coming home with me. And I'm just like, I don't need to bring more evil into my house. Like, I don't think there's evil. I just think there might be an old person wandering through the house, like, who's this strange man in my bedroom? But, um... There was a time, and I do remember this, after we got done doing the interview with you, I got Doorways to the Unseen 1, and I was reading it. And I, it was, like, right when we got done doing the interview, and I think at that time we were still doing it at, like, eight thirty, nine o'clock. So this is, like, maybe, like, ten thirty, eleven o'clock, I started reading your stories, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to wait until daylight to finish it. Because <laughs> I'm, well, they're scary then, so. They're, yeah. I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, because it, it seems like it, it, it's just – it didn't like shock me into like an absolute fear, but it, it just it, it gave me chills as I was reading it, thinking to myself like something is like like watching me read this book, and I'm just like you know I as much as I want to finish it, I'll finish it when the daylight comes around. I'll sit out breakfast, I'll enjoy that and everything because they're, they're incredible stories, and you could actually get the emotion out of them that you know that you you're hoping to get. When you read a scary story, especially, you know, in October, you know, I think the, I think our episode we did with you was like the end of September. Um, so it was like, it was around Halloween season and this time of year just gives you that weird off kind of feeling even to begin with. So to, uh, to read a book like you're putting out, give you that chilly, you know, that, that, uh, that feeling, that macabre feeling, it's incredible. And, uh, 
I don't know. Like I said, I, mean, I remember having that feeling when I uh, read Goosebumps, when I watched Tales from the Crypt, uh, and stuff like that when I was a kid. And the fact that you can do that to an adult uh, says a lot about how great these books are. Okay, thank you. I mean, there there are some – I mean, when I was writing certain stories, you know, I write them alone – at night, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, uh, this is really scary. I'm going to stop for a minute, go downstairs, check on the dog. Do you, uh, do you, do you feel that like, like a certain part of the day would, uh, helps you kind of like write the more like, you know, uh, creepy stories? Like does night help motivate the stories a lot better? Yeah. I never write in the morning. Yeah. You know, uh, it's always like in the afternoon or in the evening. And then when I'm, you know, usually finishing this, the story it's it's mm-hmm. gets done almost always late at night well right now your books are available on amazon uh both in uh, uh electronic uh, book and paperback yeah um, any ebook and, and uh, print on demand paperback yeah and then obviously you did mention uh you did have a, a fifth book uh, out here right now the metamorphosis well it will it'll be published i don't have the exact date but it'll be published uh towards the end of this month gotcha so whenever I finish formatting it, then uh, then I'll get it out there. Perfect, perfect. Well, I, I appreciate you coming and talking with us. Um, it, like I said, it's always a joy, and I, I know that we got to make this more of an annual thing because uh, – Maybe even by annual. Uh, yeah. Every time you release a book, October. come back here, yeah. Okay, yeah, you can message me or I'll, I'll message you when, you know, when it's uh, – I keep a um, – Every, everyone's message in Twitter. So then, you know, when I, I have a new volume out, I reach out to people and ask them if they have a spot to interview me. Oh, yeah. I, I, I try to keep everything. That's why, like, uh, when we're trying to figure out this whole Skype thing, because I'm probably the only podcaster who still uses Skype, <laughs> ever, since, ever since Zoom and uh, Discord came out. And I still have our conversation. That's how I was able to find it, you know, from 2017. And I was like, okay, crap. There we go. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, um, I, I definitely, I definitely want to get you back on more often to talk about okay, great. stories. Uh, where can where can people find you on social media if they want to reach out to you and tell you how great your books are? Yeah, if you visit me on Twitter, uh, it's just James Dermond at uh, Twitter, yeah, one word, and I have about uh, forty six thousand followers. You can also visit me at jamesdermond.com, d e r m o n d dot com. And then I have uh, Goodreads and Amazon Author and Wattpad pages. I also have a Facebook page. You know, that's not quite as active. I'm mostly active on Twitter because uh, I have a I have a large uh, following there. So, gotcha. you know, that I've kind of built up since since uh, before I published the first book. I started becoming active on Twitter. Excellent, cool. Uh, nice. Joey, Joey, got anything to add before we say goodbye? I don't. Thank you for asking, though. I know. I, I, I always feel bad because every time we do interviews, I just kind of take control of everything. No, you're yeah. so much better at it than me. <laughs> well, it's, it's, fun, <laughs> it's funny because, like, I, I think the last time uh, you were on, we actually had a third uh, co-host who uh, recently left the show. And it's funny how many times, like, when we would end the interviews with our uh, with our guest, either Joe or Connor, like, you know, you you took every single question I had. And I was like, I just like, yeah, but I'm a talker, and I would love to learn more about the about the people that we have on and everything. So, yeah, I will say, uh, I did just, I, I I realized that I haven't haven't gotten any of your books um, on Amazon, so I went ahead and, and rectified that. 
And uh, for those of you who are, are listening, uh, it's they're very reasonably priced. I believe the Kindle I just paid was uh, two ninety nine, and the paperback was seven ninety nine. As of yeah, right that's now. right. So yeah, they're shorter books, so they're not as expensive yeah. as a full novel. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 getting I'm getting all the books. I'm gonna add more to my library. I'll make room. I'll get rid of uh, I don't know uh, a world of uh, improbables. I'll say, yeah, give me that fact book, and then you can you'll have, that'll cover up. Yeah, that'll give you a lot of space. <laughs> James, thanks again for coming on. I do appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, and I, I'd love to come back. Uh, I'll reach out to you guys uh, when Volume Six comes out next year. Absolutely perfect. Okay, happy Halloween. Sounds good. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thank you. Goodbye. Welcome back to another Freaky Tale. This one, as we mentioned before, is from Volume 4 of Doorways to the Unseen by James Dermond. This one is called Matilda Graves. The summer house that Charlotte Evans came to stay in belonged to her father's family. Charlotte's mother never went there, and her father hadn't returned to his family's home for many years. Both were gone, and Charlotte was now alone, an only child. Her aunt on her father's side had offered the place to Charlotte as a means of experiencing a moment of respite before beginning her graduate studies later in the fall. I don't like leaving you here by yourself, especially with no way to drive into town, Charlotte's friend, Amelia, reminded her. I know we've already talked this over, but... I still don't like it. Amelia put one of Charlotte's bags on the floor of the house's antiquated kitchen and looked around the compact space. Though the small room was clean and tidy, the kitchen sink and other fixtures were something from decades past, their surfaces dull and tarnished with age. Isolation is what I crave right now, Charlotte said, sighing as she parted the kitchen curtains, rays of sunlight flooding in. Sometimes I couldn't even get out of bed after my breakup with Ben. I just needed to be alone. No offense. She sat down at the kitchen table and began to rummage through one of the paper brown paper grocery bags nearby, placed there by Amelia. Amelia stood by the open door, the pleasant sounds of the woods in early summer, am, summer ambient in the background. Will you have enough food for three months? Amelia asked, frowning as she opened a kitchen cabinet door. Taking out a white and blue box and reading its side, she commented, I couldn't drink powdered milk. Yuck. I hope you don't starve. I'll be fine, Charlotte reassured her, as if dismissing a petulant child. I think that's all the bags. Thanks for helping me with the shopping in town. Charlotte took two cans from the grocery bag and stood next to Amelia, putting them into the cabinet with the powdered milk. I've got enough food to last until the end of the summer. If I really need to get to town, I can walk. It'll take hours, but I can do it. What if you can't walk? Amelia retorted hastily. The phone here isn't even hooked up. Amelia leaned against the kitchen counter as Charlotte continued to stash away canned groceries. It's a risk I'm willing to take, Charlotte replied. I'm young and fit. What could possibly happen to me? She grasped the door to the kitchen and then put an arm around Amelia, hugging her for a moment. I'll see you in 83 days. You have a good summer on the water with Ethan. I'm sorry I won't be able to go boating with you two this time. Charlotte put a hand above her eyes, shading them from the bright afternoon sunlight to watch Amelia drive away. A dirt and gravel driveway led away from the two-story colonial-style house, a paved road then connecting the house to the town. 
A copse of sweeping ash trees hid the house, which stood alone on its own wooded lot with no close neighbors in either direction. Wandering the woods behind the house, Charlotte decided to let the rest of the groceries sit in their bags for a while. Everything perishable had already been put away in the refrigerator. Charlotte would have to do without anything fresh once those supplies were gone, unless she felt like taking the long walk to town. The woods were quiet and tranquil. With chirping birds and the soft rustling of leaves in the wind, she strolled along a narrow deer path that eventually opened up into a clearing. In its center stretched a large pond, broad and stagnant, its opposite side lined by dense woods. Looking out over the pond from its sandy shore, Charlotte noticed how murky the waters appeared. Little sunlight made it to the surface. It must be very deep at the center, Charlotte thought, watching the wind churn over the water, tumbling white clouds drifting overhead. I'll come back later and take another look. The old house seemed to breathe as Charlotte walked up its steps, groaning as she opened the front door. I'm glad Aunt Alice keeps this place in decent shape, thought Charlotte. I'll have to visit the elderly couple she employs when I'm in town again, probably in a few weeks. The house's attic was cramped, filled with musty furniture, boxes, and a warm steamer trunk, worn steamer trunk, a broken strap dangling from its side. Charlotte had waited until morning to visit the upstairs attic and explore its treasures. She'd been too tired after the long drive with Amelia yesterday. Opening the trunk, Charlotte began to dig through its contents, putting aside the threadbare vintage clothing and leather-bound books. At last, she picked up an old photo album. I wonder why Aunt Alice doesn't just throw most of this stuff out, Charlotte asked herself as she turned the dusty pages of the album. These clothes are just a feast for the moths at this point. The photo album held pictures of her extended family from years ago, including people she didn't recognize. Charlotte found photos of her father from when he was a young boy, and then a young man. He'd grown up in this house before moving away, just like his siblings. The black and white photos were sometimes discolored, and there were several empty spaces in the album, as if photos had been taken out. Putting the book aside, Charlotte took the last of the clothes out of the trunk, something falling out as she did. She reached down to pick up a photo from the floor and examined it. Its picture was of her father standing next to a young, pretty woman. He was smiling. In the background was the house as it would have been many years earlier. Turning the photo over, someone had written Warren and Matilda, and then marked it with a date. Looks like Dad had a girlfriend before Mom, Charlotte mused to herself. I don't remember Mom or Dad ever mentioning a Matilda. Charlotte tucked the faded, heavily creased photo into the back of the photo album and then tried to put everything back into the trunk in its original order. I hope Aunt Alice doesn't notice, like she'll even check. Rising from the trunk, Charlotte climbed back downstairs to check the mail, closing the attic door above her. Aunt Alice said I should collect it for her while I'm here. She opened the front door and walked along the driveway to the sheltering trees and the mailbox hanging from a post near the road. She pried open the mailbox's lid and found nothing inside. Someone was coming up the road on a bicycle. As the cyclist grew closer, Charlotte could see it was a young woman wearing a summer dress. The young woman waved a hand and then brought her bicycle to a stop near the mailbox, resting her sneakered foot on the pavement. Good morning, the woman said gaily, smiling at Charlotte. It looks like the old place has a guest. 
I'm here for a while, Charlotte replied, returning the woman's smile as best she could. House sitting for my aunt, Alice. Nobody lives here anymore, and my aunt wanted the house occupied before it sold. Are you from town? Charlotte studied the woman as she waited for an answer. She was naturally beautiful, with flowing, honey-colored hair and striking green eyes. A real knockout. I'm not from town, but I am from around here, the woman answered, still smiling and genial. Charlotte considered this answer somewhat puzzling. What's your name? the woman said. Charlotte Evans, pleased to meet you. Charlotte held out her hand, but the woman only continued to grip her bicycle's handlebars. I knew a boy named Evans once, a long time ago. The woman said quietly, her smile fading. She turned away from Charlotte for a moment and looked behind her, as if examining the house. And who are you? May I know your name? Charlotte asked, almost insisting, feeling a sudden discomfort at the break in the conversation. Without a word, the woman began to pedal off. She didn't turn back or offer an explanation. She just rode silently away. Charlotte watched her glide down the road, her bike bell light, her bike bell lightly chiming. Finally, the woman disappeared around a winding curve, gone behind the leafy trees. Bewildered, Charlotte returned to the house to make lunch, thinking she'd pick up again with her summer reading list in the evening. She briefly paused, wondering why a young woman would be riding such an old-fashioned bike. The fireplace crackled, the only source of light in the living room other than the lamp next to Charlotte's armchair. Charlotte turned a page in her hardback book, nodding for a moment beneath the fireplace's soothing warmth. The night outside was cool. It was still early summer. When the professor had gone, Sergei Ivanovich turned to his brother. After reading the first sentence of the new chapter, Charlotte yawned, thinking, I can't finish this chapter tonight. Maybe tomorrow. Resting the book on the side table, Charlotte then heard a floorboard creak upstairs, followed by the sound of soft footsteps. A dull thud echoed from the stairs to the floor below, as if someone had just put their weight onto its steps. Squinting in the low light of the room, Charlotte glanced cautiously toward the living room's open door. More footsteps echoed in the hallway, and then a shadow fell over the entrance. Someone was there, standing in the hall, waiting. Charlotte's lamp light dimmed and flickered, the fireplace's flames dwindling behind her. Hello? I, I know you're there, Charlotte said, now standing firmly in front of her chair. She reached for a fireplace poker and held it firmly, ready to confront her intruder. There was a mournful sigh, and a breeze gushed through the room, its odor fetid and decayed, smelling subtly of Fenland. The shadow then receded, pulling back into the dark of the hallway, until it finally vanished. Charlotte hurried toward the light switch on the wall and slapped it on. The ceiling lamp bathed the room in bright light. No one was there. Poker in hand, Charlotte checked the upstairs bedrooms and then searched the ground floor of the house. Turning on the kitchen lights, she scrutinized the nighttime yard from the front porch and then locked the front and side doors. I was almost asleep, Charlotte thought, trying to reassure herself, her uneasiness still pal palpable. It was just a dream. I'm all alone out here. Charlotte put the house keys into her jeans pocket 
and then checked her billfold for the cash she had brought with her. The walk to town will likely take three or more hours, Charlotte determined. It's a sunny day, and I can make an excursion of it. But I should have asked Amelia to put her bike in the car trunk for me. I'm just too independent for my own good, I guess. She walked back to the back of the house, deciding she might find an old bicycle in the house's root cellar. I haven't looked here, Charlotte thought as she pulled open its swinging double doors and stepped inside. The root cellar was dry and lined with jars resting on wooden shelves. Charlotte carefully descended the short set of stairs to the earthen floor and began to search around. The cellar was dark. She could find no suspended light bulb, but the midday sun streaming from the open door supplied enough light. Against the far wall leaned a rusted bicycle, a wire basket affixed to its front. Standing over the antique bike, Charlotte thought it seemed oddly familiar. It finally came to her. It looked the same as the bicycle of that strange girl she had seen a few weeks ago. Charlotte touched the corroded bell on the left handlebar, finding that it still rang. This isn't going to get me to town, Charlotte concluded. I'll just have to walk. Closing the cellar door behind her, Charlotte joined the road and made a steady pace on foot to her destination. Aunt Alice had given Charlotte the address of the couple who had been keeping her house since last year, asking that Charlotte check in with them at least once during her visit. When she finally arrived, Charlotte found the small town was clustered around a charming main street peppered with shops. It ended with a white and gray church, its roof formed into a steeple. Charlotte found a side street that led to several rows of small houses, their exteriors all alike. The elderly couple lived in a cottage just past the houses on the town's outskirts. The cottage was tiny, barely large enough for two people, but quaint and cozy. Charlotte stood on the front steps and knocked on the door. A withered old woman answered, short and white-haired. Hello, young lady. How may I help you? she asked, her smile kindly but vacant. I'm Charlotte Evans, Alice Evans' niece, Charlotte replied. I've been staying at the house these past weeks. Aunt Alice asked me to check in with you once I got settled in. Yes, Charlotte, we've been waiting for you. Please come in, the woman said, stepping away from the open door. Meet my husband, Charles. An elderly man, stooped and walking stiffly, stopped at the end of the hall. He waved for a moment and then shuffled away, seemingly preoccupied. Charles helps me with the house when he can, the old woman said, her tone plaintive. But some days he's like this. Neither one of us has much time left. But come in. Stepping inside, Charlotte saw the home was well kept and pleasantly decorated, with decades worth of family heirlooms, treasured keepsakes, and portrait photographs filling the living room. The woman slipped into the nearby kitchen and soon returned with porcelain teacups and a teapot resting on a tray. She set the tray on the low table in front of Charlotte. As the woman poured Charlotte a cup of hot tea, she said, I'm Iris, by the way. I've known your aunt for many years. She and your father attended school in Winslow. I worked in the school cafeteria, you see. I've lived in Winslow my whole life. Pleased to meet you, Iris, Charlotte said, noticing that Charles was now nowhere to be seen. I hadn't really seen much of Aunt Alice until a few days ago, when Dad passed away. Yes, Alice told us all about that. Such a shame, Iris said, her eyes sad. What about your mother? She was from Winslow as well, you know. 
Mom's gone as well, sometime before Dad, Charlotte replied, her voice full of regret. But she was taken by a freak accident, not an illness. I always thought I'd see them grow old together, but it wasn't to be. Iris poured herself a cup of tea and then took a sip. Your father rarely came back to Winslow after he married your mother, Iris said, her tone becoming steadier. He lost his first love here, long before her. I suppose that was his reason. Who was that? Charlotte queried. Her interest suddenly piqued. Mom and Dad never talked much about their early years in this small town. I guess they just wanted to forget about it after moving away and creating a new life for themselves. That's a shame, my dear, Iris answered. When he was a young man, your father loved a girl named Matilda Graves. They were planning to be wed. But just before the wedding, she vanished, disappeared without a trace. People in town said it was cold feet, but I never believed any of it, Iris confided. Everything she had ever known was in Winslow, and she loved your father more than anything else. Matilda would often talk of the children they would have some day. She's still listed as a missing person, as I understand it. Charlotte thought back to the photograph she had seen in the attic trunk. Her father with a young woman, the name Matilda, written on its back. Asking quickly, Charlotte said, Then how did Dad ever meet my mom if he was to be married to someone else? They must have gotten together soon after. They did, Iris replied, her answer sharp. Audrey swooped in, and soon they were dating again. They married shortly after. Your mother had been Warren's steady girlfriend for a while before his engagements to Matilda. Well, I don't know what to say, Charlotte said, finishing her cup of tea. But like I told you, Mom and Dad seldom discussed their hometown. They were distant, almost absentee parents in many ways. There was a silence. Both women peered into their teacups, neither looking at the other. Well, Charlotte finally said, breaking the silence, thank you for the tea. It was lovely. Will you be stopping by sometime this summer? Yes, yeah, certainly, my dear, Iris answered, seemingly happy to change the subject. I'll bring Charles with me if he's able. We'll drive up to the house. I'm not a young thing like you, you know. Iris saw Charlotte to the door and waved as the younger woman walked away. Charlotte found her way to Main Street and then the path home. It was late afternoon and the sun would be setting by the time she arrived back at the house. The early summer leaves shaded Charlotte as she ambled along the roadside. Her light canvas sneakers were dusty from her long walk, and her arm ached from carrying the bag of groceries. Charlotte was tired, surprised that the slow-paced journey to and from town had taken so much out of her. The sun had become burnt orange. It sank slowly below the trees, shielding the road from the horizon. Far ahead, in the opposite lane, a bicycle sped toward her. The rider looked like a woman, but Charlotte couldn't quite make her out. The bicycle be bicycle's bell chimed once, and then again as if warning pedestrians of its arrival. Charlotte turned to follow the rider as she rolled past, finally able to see the woman's face in the dimming light. The young woman's features were pallid white, like an alabaster death mask. She stared fixedly ahead, not glancing at Charlotte as she rode past. It was as if she was entirely unaware of her presence. The bicycle hastened away, eventually vanishing into the shadows of the first hours of the evening. Shaken, Charlotte thought, That looked like the girl I met at the mailbox, but she looked strange, like she was sick. 
As soon as she got home, Charlotte went to sleep, exhausted by her exertions. Tomorrow, she would try to find out more about Matilda Graves. Charlotte frowned as she studied the picture of her father with the young woman. It's the same girl, she thought, the one I saw at the mailbox on the bike. But it can't be. This picture is decades old. Putting the photo away, Charlotte climbed down from the attic to explore the woods behind the house again, hoping to clear her mind. The pond was as she had left it, with scores of lily pads and lines of thin foam floating by its banks. For the first time, Charlotte noticed a moss-covered rowboat, its oars missing, propped up against a tree not far from the pond. The rowboat seemed as if it hadn't been used for many years, but Charlotte supposed if it had probably supposed that it had probably once taken short trips on the water. The pond was large, after all, almost a small lake. The wind rustled across the water, causing waves to cascade toward the shore. Charlotte then heard her name on the wind. Someone was calling to her. Charlotte, the voice whispered, its sound both distant and intimate. And then her name again, Charlotte. It was a woman's voice, but Charlotte was alone by the water. Near the pond's unfathomed center, a white shape formed. Slowly, it drifted toward the shore. Charlotte peered ahead, the overcast day offering nothing. As the shape came closer, it began to rise from the water. First, a head wearing a veil appeared then a woman's midsection, and finally, wading through the shallows, a woman wearing a full white wedding dress. The woman moved toward Charlotte steadily, her expression partially concealed by the veil. But, as far as Charlotte could tell, it was unimaginably malevolent. Charlotte opened her eyes, seeing the star-filled sky above her. The evening was very still, with a bright full moon bathing the grass and leaves nearby with a soft glow. The sky was no longer cloudy as it had been before. Sitting up, Charlotte realized she was somewhere in the woods, the pond no longer in view. Where? The water? Her head pounded. She stood and peered around. With a wave of relief, she spied the house its roof jutting distantly through a tangle of trees. Within minutes, Charlotte had reached the front steps and pushed open the door. She heard voices coming from the kitchen. Charlotte stood at the kitchen's threshold and stared, horror-struck. Two women were seated at the kitchen table, a tea service between them. One was her mother as a young woman, and the other was Matilda Graves. They were engaged in a friendly dialogue, I'm so glad you could come over to discuss the wedding, Charlotte's mother said amiably. Warren couldn't be here as he had to help his parents in town. They'll be back tonight. I'm pleased, but I'll have to get going soon, Matilda said. It's still a fair ride back to town on my bike. Warren had a list of things we need to take care of before the big day. Did he leave it with you? Why, yes, Charlotte's mother replied. It's right here. Finish your tea and we'll discuss it. She placed a few sheets of paper in front of Matilda and then excused herself for a moment. When she came back, Matilda complained of feeling drowsy. 
I'm sorry you're not feeling well, dear, Charlotte's mother said, a smile forming on her curved lips. Perhaps you need to lie down. That's a good idea, Matilda said, nodding. Just for a moment, then I'll be fine. Charlotte's mother helped Matilda to her feet, embracing her with one arm. No hard feelings, then? Matilda asked, pausing to look Charlotte's mother in the face. You and Warren didn't work out, but we love each other so much. You want him to be happy, don't you? Charlotte's mother was silent as the two stood before the kitchen table and then replied, Of course, that's why Warren will be with me instead. Matilda grew dizzy and began to swoon, falling against Charlotte's mother. Charlotte's mother pushed her away, letting Matilda fall to the floor with a crash. Lying on her side, Matilda weakly attempted to grasp something with which to pull herself up. Charlotte's mother stood over her wordlessly and then walked out of the room. She returned with a large trunk, sporting thick leather handles. You'll fit in if I fold you in, Charlotte's mother told Matilda, her words drenched in venom. But I'm going to take this out to that pond first. Don't go anywhere. Not that you can. The specters faded, and Charlotte heard the ladder to the attic descend with a loud thud. Almost in a trance, Charlotte left the kitchen and stood before the attic's ladder. Slowly, she reached out and began to haul herself up. The steamer trunk was closed. Charlotte stood by the hatch, unmoving, tears forming in her eyes. Slowly, the trunk's lid began to yawn open. There was a pause. A terrible silence filled the dark space. A hand shot from the trunk. The fingers distended and claw-like. Charlotte flinched but didn't move. Foul water began to pour from the trunk, forming pools and rivulets around Charlotte's feet. Matilda rose jerkily, her wedding veil flat against her mottled skin, her eyes bulging, her face bloated and decomposed. Charlotte remained in her spot, paralyzed with fear. She could only watch as Matilda stepped from the trunk and, in slow, loping strides, drew closer. Charlotte could feel the ghost's chill breath on her bare neck. Matilda leaned in, and in a voice like dead leaves, whispered something in Charlotte's ear. The sheriff looked down at Iris, who stood next to the attic's ladder below him. She wore a worried expression that changed to one of shock when the sheriff spoke to her. She's up here, ma'am. She's been dead for at least a few days, given the state of this corpse. I'm coming back down to call the coroner. Iris stepped aside as the sheriff climbed down. Curtly, he folded the leather ba uh, ladder back up and then closed the attic's hatch. There's no need for you to be here, Miss Mar Mrs. Martin. There's nothing you can do for Miss Evans now. We'll take your statement in town. Night fell over the empty house, its doors locked and bolted from the outside. The winds rippled over the pond's surface, its waters darkish and foreboding. From within the attic, the sound of sobbing cut through the dark, agonized and afraid. They were coming from the closed steamer trunk, its last memento collected. the end.
I'm not uh I'm not entirely sure if it was the story itself or you reading it. Fucking chills, bro. Thank you. It is a good story. I had chills reading it. It did. Uh, I, I honestly, like, I, honestly, like I know I said it in the interview, and I'll say it like here, like, like reading his stories at nighttime is chilling. Yeah, I love <laughs> a bad idea, really. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's that's what that's how you know it's a good book. Yeah, you know, like the whole idea of these stories is to get that feeling out of you, and it, it's. It's they're amazing stories, and I encourage everyone to go and buy every book that's available right now. Volume one, two, three, and four. Five coming out at the end of this month. I'm excited for six to come out in April. Um, there, this is worth it. I'm I'm so happy that uh, that we do this, and I'm so happy that James gave us the opportunity to read his story on our podcast. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, what are you freaking thinking about? Gosh, you know, I tell you what, after that interview and after that story, I'm freaking thinking about these books. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly can't wait to read all four of them. So that's I, I feel like such a, I feel like I'm really uh, cheaping out with that. But it's it's what it's the most exciting thing that's happened today. Yeah. Let's put it like that. So what about you? What are you freaking thinking about? Um. I you know I, I'm honestly I'm free th- I, I, the biggest thing I'm freaking thinking about right now is uh, starting a new adventure next week. Um, for uh, for a lot of those who don't know, and actually many you probably don't, uh, I uh, I gave notice to the company I've been working with uh, recently, and uh, they decided that instead of me working my two weeks uh, through, they're just going to release me early. So instead of starting my new job at the end of the month, I'll be starting my new job next week. And I'm really excited about uh, this new adventure and this new opportunity and everything. So um, I'm just kind of preparing for that. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get all the onboarding stuff set and done and, you know, everything they need from me. So as soon as Monday grows around, uh, it's a whole new chapter. And I'm really excited about it. And um, I don't know who's going to listen to this from my old job, but... Uh, I want the the people to know who I did work with, who I worked with. Uh, I appreciate everything that they did. They busted their ass. They did great work. I was happy to work with them and everything. Uh, for the people I worked for, not so much. Yeah, um, I hear that. But um, it's okay. It's uh, it was a long time coming. Uh, when I when I when I left the building. There, there was a lot of weight lifted off my shoulders from it. Um, it's not that the job was stressful. It's not that the job was hard. But, again, the people I worked for made it that way. And I'm just happy that I don't have to have that anymore. Um, this new chapter, I, I'm going to be able to uh, – I think I'm going to be able to make um, uh, a good impact on this on this company I'm going to, and I'm really happy with it. So, uh, I just I've been thinking about that since uh, Monday, and I'm going to continue to think about it until the following Monday. So I'm really excited for everything that's going on in my life, and even beyond that, um, everything else I'm doing. I I I don't know because I don't want November. We're going to have a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take away the fact that we're doing Halloween stuff uh, through October to talk about a lot of the shit that is going on. Um, so. 
in October we're going to play a lot of catch up. Um, so I guess we'll just save that for the first week of November and some things I definitely want to talk about. So, and I'll try, I'll try my best to remember it. I know my memory isn't the greatest and I know we plan a lot of stuff and I keep forgetting about it, but there's a lot of stuff we, we need to talk about in November. It's going to be more serious talks, uh, more life, uh, thought talks, but we don't do that in October. We talk about spooky shit. So, and I'm also excited for the fact that we're going to have a couple guests on next week who are starting their adventure into the podcasting world. And, uh, oh shit. And, uh, I'm excited that, uh, I, uh, I heard from Clint. Oh, dope. How's he yeah. doing? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's doing good. Uh, he, he's not podcasting at the moment. He's still doing, t- uh, Twitch, but I'm encouraging him to get back into podcasting. I actually offered him an opportunity to come uh, be part of Freak Dust Studios if he does so. Nice. I probably should have ran it by you, but I'm sure you... Nah, I'm fine with it. it. Yeah. I like so, Clint. He's got good shows. Yeah, Clint Clint is awesome. So I hope he does get back into podcasting, because he was fun to talk to, especially those three-hour-long fucking podcasts. Um, but uh, now I'm just I'm just really excited for a lot of things I'm doing in my life right now. And I'm, in all honesty, it's the people around me that's making it good. So, Joe, you're one of those people, so I thank you. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Um... But it's just, it's just so cool. I mean, I'm doing a lot of stuff with the wrestling thing. I'm doing more and more with them now that I got more free time. So I'm happy that that's happening, even though I got booed by a bunch of uh children at the last show. But that's whatever. That's all on the JFW podcast if you guys want to hear about that. But realistically, I'm just happy. Um, I, I, I just I, – it, everything. the more I think about everything that's going on in my life, the happier I'm getting. And uh, it's it's a good feeling. Nice. Good. So, guys, uh, don't forget that we're going to have uh, interviews with uh, a upcoming podcast called uh, Babes of Lore next week. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, talk to them about their podcast coming up. Freak Joe is going to be here with us for the next two weeks before he takes his hibernation for the next 11 months. So uh, we thank him for the freaky tales he shared with us. Again, we thank James Dermond for coming on and talking with us about his books. And we can't wait to talk to him again in April when uh, volume six gets released. Make, you know, make sure you guys give me a volume one through four, volume five will come out at the end of this month. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, just by searching this freaking show. And of course you can find our shows when they are released on iTunes, Google podcast, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher, just by searching this freaking show. That's all I got guys. So as always, I am travesty. Mom Freak Joe. And thank you for listening to another episode of this freaky show.